0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that.
1: in
0: the 18th school shooting in the United States this year. That means there's a school shooting every 2.5 days. This is not the kind of country we want to live in.
1: This is Sarah from the left. And Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsuit
0: Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of
1: Welcome to another episode of Pantsuit Politics. We are so glad to be here with all of you. It's hard to think of sort of everyday announcements, but we will have a bonus episode of Pantsuit Politics up for our patrons on patreon.com soon. I'm trying to convince De- Beth to do political couples. I haven't completely sold her on it yet, but y'all y'all weigh in if you want to hear us talk about political power couples.
0: Let's be real. Sarah has got this idea, and she we're going to do it. I will, get, <laughs> I will get myself interested in it somehow.
1: It all started because I heard Jimmy Carter say Rosalind should have been the one that ran for office on Oprah, and I thought that was so interesting. I think we could just do a whole thing on, like, wh- where the women should have been the politician. Like, clearly, Barbara Bush should have been the politician. Like, that would be a fascinating discussion.
0: I am interested in talking about the Obama's portraits. So Ooh, yeah. we can work that in somewhere, I'm sure. So, patreon.com slash pantsuit politics if you would like to become a supporter or up level to that $15 point a month where you can get access to our bonus episodes. We truly appreciate all of the support. And you can check out our new episode, newest episode
1: of our new podcast, The Nuanced Life, on any of your podcast players. And we really appreciate the support.
0: Well, there are not great ways to start a conversation about another school shooting. It's been interesting to me over the past couple of days to watch my own reaction and the reactions of other people because it feels like we blinked and here we are again.
1: So yesterday
0: was the first
1: day of Lent. It was Valentine's Day. It was Ash Wednesday. It was like sort of a big day, I feel like. It was also the first day of my Lenten practice of giving up Facebook. I'm giving up Facebook for Lent. Social media, except for our business social media pages. And I can't say how glad I am. I can't say how much better it felt to do something that was not keyboard ninjing. Generally, I handled yesterday better because after the shooting in my, excuse me, after the second school shooting in my community in January, I officially joined Moms Demand Action and took action to start a local chapter. We had a meeting recently with over 30 people. And knowing that I'm plugged into this network that has a plan made yesterday, I don't know if easy is the easier, I guess. I'm still so devastated. I'm still so upset, but I don't feel completely powerless anymore. And that is big for me because that is often the source of my most intense emotions surrounding this increasing violence because I feel like I have these three beings I'm in charge of and it's hard enough to accept that I cannot keep them safe but it was so hard to to feel like I was just watching it get worse and now being involved with moms I and mean, Action actually don't feel that anymore for anyone who doesn't know it's it's modeled on mothers against truck driving I wish we had a good acronym like mad because that's how I feel I feel mad And it's about awareness. It's about going to parades and festivals. They have a safety program that they educate the public on. And they also just raise awareness that we need gun sense in America. And they also hold legislators responsible. So they give alerts when there are gun bills in your state legislators to call your state legislators about and holding people electorally responsible and to change the culture. And it just it gives me hope because, I mean, we have seen... Things change. I know it feels so hopeless in the face of 17 people losing their lives. But I just have to remind myself that everybody used to drink and drive. And it used to be acceptable for black people to sit in the back of the bus and to beat gay people for being gay. And everybody smoked. Like (laughs) The world was different 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago. And it was because of people standing up and saying, this isn't good enough that even things that felt like they were so a part of the air we breathe changed. And that is possible here. Even in the face of something that feels so devastating and so terrible and so intractable, change is possible. Change is possible here. We can do better. We can. I believe that. I have to believe that. And when I look back on Americans who believe the same things, and made that change happen, it gives me hope. And I have to have hope on days like these. Because the days when I felt powerless were so full of suffering that it was hard to see my way out. And so I got to see a way out. I have to see a light, no matter how small, and focus on that. And this gives me a way to do that, and that is really powerful.
0: I think the key to everything that you just said is that Enough people have to get together on this and work toward it. I would like to see the pro-life community come out strong on school shootings. All of the energy that is channeled into protecting the unborn, could we for a moment channel it into protecting the born? Could we for a moment just get together people who normally don't have things in common and say, listen, all of us have to say enough to 18 school shootings? All of us have to say enough to 30 mass shootings in the United States in less than two months. I saw The Post yesterday with Chad. It was a wonderful movie. And it was a little bit contradictory to some of what you just expressed, Sarah, about change. I think those are all wonderful points. But also, I watched The Post and a lot of what happens in it, it's depicting these seminal moments in American history. You also feel like it could have been filmed yesterday putting aside the clothes and some of the attitudes about women, some of them. I told Chad at one point, this entire movie is about disrespecting women. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, you know, what is consistent with your very inspirational message that we can make change is seeing that people did make change. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: The Post does a great job of showing the press's role but it also does a good job of showing the ordinary citizen and activist role. There are many moments in the movie where the where very subtly the protests going on around Vietnam are shown. And you can see the difference that it made over time. It took a long time. It took way too long. And I guess that's where we are with this issue. It's taken way too long. I don't know how much more is going to be required. But we can get there.
1: And one... When- I've really thought a lot about since learning more about Moms in Action and joining the group. So Moms in Action was started by Shannon Watts in the aftermath of Sandy Hook, the mothers that came to our meeting from Lexington and and Louisville to help us start our chapter joined after Sandy Hook. And I think, you know, we have this narrative that if Sandy Hook wasn't enough, nothing is. But Sandy Hook was enough for thousands of people. And they've joined together in many different ways and have started to make change. Change is not instantaneous. And character is built on committing yourself to change that you might not see in your lifetime. But that doesn't mean it's not worthy. And I think that was a turning point in our country. And that doesn't, like I said, that doesn't mean we woke up the next day and everything was better. It means that we all decided, I don't want this to be like this anymore and I'm gonna start to make it better. And if enough people do that over time, that's how you get change. And it might be something different for you than Sandy Hook. It might be, you know, my husband said the other day, I just feel like it's going to get to the point where everyone has a personal experience with with school violence. But, you know, whatever it takes, things are changing. People do talk about this. People do feel differently. People are learning. You know, I learned things since since joining Mom's Main Actions that I didn't know. Like I didn't know that the NRA is on a crusade to have permitless carry in every state where anyone over the age of 21 can get a gun without licensing or without safety training. That's not something Americans as a majority, I think, support anywhere close. And so we have to pay attention and we have to be vigilant and we have to dedicate ourselves to something that, like I said, it's that the change will not be gratifying and instantaneous. But that doesn't mean it's not worth it. I think what's so hard about this shooting in particular is it it does seem to be exactly what I talked about last time, which is people need to see the graphic violence of a school shooting. And so many of these kids took videos and posted them immediately. I watched one just before we started the show, thinking it was like the others I'd seen in which you would hear things or you would see the kids being scared. But then I saw a child laying in the floor. So you know, I think that That will affect people and that will build on this group. There will be people who will watch that and say, okay, enough is enough. And slowly this group will build power and authority and take action and change will come.
0: It's really hard to see these images, but I think that you have been right on the fact that we need to. When I think about the image of the couple in a car with their very small child in the back seat that police took Mm -hmm. showing addiction, that was so miserably uncomfortable. And there's this question about whether it was exploitative or not. I do think it made a difference in how a lot of people saw addiction, though. I do think it was important in saying, let's be real about what we're talking about here and i think these videos do that. If you ever heard the police officer, he that took it and shared it, it was like at first i was so
1: i was like oh that's awful, i can't believe they did that, but then you just heard the desperation in his voice like i don't know what else to do and i thought oh i'm i was wrong. You were right to do that. That was a cry for help. Right. So, and that's what we're at. We're at so many of us i think are at that desperate phase. That desperate kissing our children every morning sending them to school thinking What's going to happen to them? And Beth and I were just talking about, like, you feel that need. You feel that, like, I'm just going to homeschool them. I'm just going to wrap them in bubble wrap. But they have to, no matter what, they have to go out into this world eventually. You cannot protect them forever. And they have to exist in a world with people that parents couldn't homeschool them. And what does that mean for the future of our children?
0: Well, and if parents like us opt out. It does mean that we are prioritizing the safety of our own families over the safety of our society at large, Mm -hmm. because it means that the people who end up in public schools in particular are going to be people who don't have the resources to do something else. And that's not right. This is a community problem, and we have to solve it as a community. And that means that the entire community has to face the very real risk of it. And it's awful. My daughter's bus was a couple minutes late yesterday, and I just about lost my mind waiting for her bus. And that doesn't make for good policy, that kind of anxiety and emotion. But it is where I am today. And I want to pick up on your point about the NRA's proposals. I want to face the reality of what the NRA is today versus what it has historically been. Because when the NRA is making proposals like the one you just described when it is actively working against principles of federalism. This is no longer about the Constitution. It is not about the Second Amendment. And those talking points and arguments are not relevant to what's happening right now. You have to be honest about how organizations change. Listen, if you've been with us for any of this journey of the podcast, I've had to be really honest about what the GOP, you know, means today versus what it has meant in the past. Organizations change over time and the NRA has changed over time. And I understand not wanting to recognize that change, but this is not an organization that is about the Constitution anymore. It isn't.
1: No, not anywhere close. It's an organization that is a lobbying group for the gun industry.
0: I mean, I just, you know. For the industry, not the sportsman, not the hunter, not the individual, the industry. Well, and that's what always confuses me
1: is because I feel like so many of my friends who feel strongly about the Second Amendment, it's based on a really healthy, maybe overly healthy skepticism, right? Like there's this arguably cynicism about the government, about other people, about your sort of ability to affect change or control other people, but the cynicism about the system. And I don't understand the disconnect between the cynicism about the system when it comes to government and no cynicism when it comes to skepticism about the gun industry and the amount of money involved here. Like, don't you see that? Don't you see they make money when they stoke your fears? It's There's so much money at play here. And that's where... I think both things can be true. I think you can be concerned about the Second Amendment and also see that people are making money off that. Lots and lots of it. And that corrupts. And I, I don't
0: understand the unwillingness to see that. that. That really gets to me. We're going to take a quick break and then come back and discuss a few other aspects of what happened this week.
1: And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com help, dot com slash Pantsuit. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura Frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi-connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos, It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app, and if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day, Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer in my personal opinion
0: I think a really hard thing about absorbing the facts of what happened in Parkland, Florida, is that this had all of the features of things we're learning about gun violence. Mm -hmm. There was a history of even just as textbook as like harming animals and posting on social media about an infatuation with guns. It had violence towards women. This person was stalking a woman in this school It's like all of the warning signs were right here. He had had interactions with the police. He was on everyone's radar. And it still happened.
1: He also had access to an AR-15. Yes. 19-year-olds should not have access to AR-15s. I don't know how to say that any other way. Now, perhaps he he scaled 10 walls and broke through a safe. We don't know yet, but I doubt it.
0: That's exactly the conversation that happened in my house this morning. Chad and I were talking about this and I was reading to him, you know, all this background stuff. And he said, what are you supposed to do, though? Because we can't. And I think this is a really important point when we talk about mental health and the president has tweeted something to this effect. I'm not sure what he was trying to say. I but stopped listening when you said the president tweeted something to the effect of. You know, there were signs here and, and people needed to report him. But the thing is, he had been reported like th- this wasn't news to anyone. And my husband's point was, we don't want to just start locking people up in mental health facilities. And I said, I completely agree. What I want to know is why was it so easy for him to get access to an AR-15 and, according to the police report, countless magazines? Why? Well, you retweeted a really great thing that somebody, I think it was from
1: New York's playbook. It says the number of people who died in this Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, that's 17. 1,858 days since New York State enacted the SAFE Act, which banned AR-15-style rifles like the one used in Florida and required mental health professionals to report patients likely to engage in conduct that would result in serious harm to self or others in a database that restricts their ability to buy guns. 43 to 18 was the final vote in the GOP-controlled New York State Senate when it passed the bill. 3, the number of senators who lost their seats in part because of the SAFE Act. Zero, the number of people that have died in school shootings in New York since the SAFE Act was passed, according to a compilation of nearly 300 incidents by every town a gun control advocacy group. When you look at the statistics, the states that pass some of these laws have lower instances of gun violence. It's not magic. They definitely have lower instances of suicide, because when you don't have access to a gun, you have to take other measures to try to commit suicide, and often your life is saved. So... I've been thinking about a friend of mine who's a police officer who I, I talk about this a lot with. And he sent me this metaphor. He said, if you have no capacity for violence, then you are a healthy, productive citizen, a sheep. If you have a capacity for violence and no empathy for your fellow citizens, and you have defined as an aggressive sociopath, a wolf. But what if you have a capacity for violence and a deep love for your fellow citizens? Then you are a sheepdog, a warrior, someone who is walking the hero's path. See, most police and military define themselves as sheepdogs. That is what this was about. In some ways, I understand what he's where he's coming from. I do not think that a capacity for violence or an interest in guns or a belief in the Second Amendment makes you a wolf by definition. But I think at this point, I feel like a sheepdog. I feel like it's time for me to take my capacity to protect and use it in a different way. Because I don't know why violence is the only way that we can protect our children. I don't know why arming more people and putting more guns into the world, having teachers carry guns, having anyone be allowed to carry guns on college campuses and in public spaces, I don't know why we've defined that as the only way to protect our families. I believe to my core that my friends who believe in the Second Amendment and have damn near armories full of weapons in their homes, love their children as much as I do. I believe that and that they want to protect their children as much as I do. But we cannot have one definition of protecting our kids. We cannot have one idea of what it means to protect the most vulnerable in our society. And that means with violence. We have to look beyond that.
0: I agree with all of that. We had a listener write to us his thoughts as a, as he described himself, a firearms enthusiast. And I thought his message was very rational and brave and much more of a thoughtful discussion than we often hear from people who want to write to us about the Second Amendment. And I shared it and it prompted a lot of unhappy reactions from our audience. But I think it is important to hear from people who do love their children as much as we love our children and who have this position That said, my question is whether the type of interest that our friends and neighbors have in shooting certainly could be met in another way, right? We have all kinds of sports and technology and ways to meet that interest. We also make trade-offs as a society all the time where we decide this might be nice for a few people, but it's terrible for everyone else, so we're not doing it anymore, I would argue that we've done that very effectively with smoking in public places. And I just wanna ask what is required to get the firearms enthusiast to say, yes, I, I have this interest, I can exercise that interest in another way for the benefit of the general public. I just wanna know that. Is there an answer to that? There has to be one, right? Well, I wanted to go back to his message because I think
1: what you said, I was glad you posted it too. I thought it very, found it very thought provoking. I know it, it engendered very strong emotional responses from some of the commenters because he was honest. And he was that's very what I appreciated honest. about it. Yep. He was honest. And when people say, because the honest debate we need to have, and I've said this before, is whether or not we think the Second Amendment guarantees you a right to as many and whatever type of gun you want. Unsecured, with no restrictions on how to carry it, how to get it, and how to keep it in your house, car, or on your person. There are people who believe the Second Amendment guarantees no restrictions on any of that. And we need to have a conversation about that. And I appreciate people who are honest and say, if I want to have an armory in my home and I should be able to carry carry them wherever I want, whenever I want fine, we need to have that conversation. Because like you said, sometimes we just need to be honest about what your expectations are and what my expectations are. And we need to have just a good old fashioned democratic exercise here. Because if you you think the Second Amendment guarantees that and I don't, then we can take it to the Supreme Court. And if one of us isn't happy with the result, then we can amend the Constitution. Might take a lot of work on either side. But if that's where we're at, that's where we're at. Because we need to Put our cards on the table and be honest about what we're talking about, because I do not believe the Second Amendment guarantees you the right to whatever and however many guns you want with no restrictions on how to get them, how to keep them or how to secure them. I do not believe
0: that. And I can be honest about all of this without really demonizing anyone. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to hear mental health as the response anymore. And here's why. I also don't want to hear evil. You can keep evil to yourself as well. Yep. Keep evil. Keep because the truth is like all of the things happening around us are part of all of us. Donald Trump is a part of me and I am a part of him and I don't like that, but that is the truth. That is, that is the world that we live in. And this shooter is a part of me and I am a part of him. And so I don't need to sit here in judgment of anybody. Because I feel that way, I want to acknowledge that more good guys with guns is not the solution to bad guys with guns, because good and bad are not static spaces. Yes. So I watched so many people who I love in my community today take to Facebook to insist that our teachers start carrying weapons, and they and then they kind of go into all this detail. They've thought about it. They care. Hooray that they care. Thank you for caring. Thank you for being part of this discussion. However... The details end up being things like, they do it voluntarily, they have a psych screening, they get some training, great. The person who purchases a gun might be a completely different person in terms of his or her mental health than the one who fires the gun. The teacher who passes the psych screen one day might be a completely different human being the day that a bunch of pressure hits them and they have a gun in their classroom. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered shower head purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code Pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you.
1: I can tell you I'd be a different person after teaching kindergarten for like 30 days.
0: That's right. We are all susceptible to departing from the values that we want to hold and the behaviors that we have taught ourselves to have, we are all susceptible to something chemically in our brain changing us. So I just wanna have an honest conversation about that. Like you can be honest with me and tell me that you love shooting an assault rifle at a target and that you are willing to have society take on some risk because of your love. And I want you to also then be honest with me about the fact that one day you might use that rifle in a way that is very different than the reason for which you purchased it. What are we going to do about that?
1: So many of our listeners know that I won a gun in a raffle last year. So March is, we've declared March gun safety month in the Holland household. We have got a safe now for our gun that we don't have any bullets in the house, but we we still thought a safe was important. We're going to learn how to shoot it. And I say all that because I want to speak from a place of respect for these items, not fear, respect for the damage that they can do, for the power they hold. And I don't, I often hear that from people who are gun enthusiasts. You know, one of my friends who owns a hunting lodge, I'll never forget said, oh, I don't own handguns. They're for killing people. I guess I just thought in my head, if you own, if you are a gun person, you own all the guns, right? Right. But he said, no. And I've had other male friends in my community who hunt say, no, I don't want handguns. Those are dangerous. And what bothers me about that is the the coexisting with the guns, don't kill people, people kill people. That seems to me like to have no respect for the weapon itself, for no understanding of the power of a gun. And I think that that's important. I think we have to talk about that. If you say guns don't kill people, people kill people, fine. But I want to talk about what guns can do. And I want to respect the power of these items. I want all of us to understand, instead of just being afraid, of what an AR-15 can do. What is the capacity of a weapon like that? Because that's important. Because understanding something is the key to moving forward in a more perspective, intelligent, data-driven way. Because I think emotions are important here, obviously. But I think we have to have a respect and information-driven approach as well.
0: I think that's an excellent point. And I would hope that that's one that we could create some consensus around. And that, to me, is the key. Can we create a little bit of consensus here, a little bit more there, and just keep walking in that direction? How can we all walk together in that direction? That's why I come back to, how do we get a broad coalition of people taking those small steps together?
1: And I think that it has to be something we talk about. I was at a party, and we were talking about guns, and my friend said we were talking about the point I made before that when something like this happens, especially under the Obama administration, there was this run on guns, right? And I don't want that. I don't want that. I am just as sad about the children who died from accidental shooting based on the increase in guns and the flow of commerce as a result of Sandy Hook as I am about the children who died at Sandy Hook. I don't want any more children to die. And she said, well, they did that because they were talking about it all the time. They talked about it all the time. And what I wish I'd said in that moment is, We were talking about it all the time because it was happening all the time. That's why we talk about it so much. That's why people feel it's like this terrible cycle paradox. Gun owners feel threatened because there's talk of gun control and there's talk of gun control because there's all this gun violence that keeps increasing. When my school shooting happened, it was rare. It was crazy. I was la- I was like a party trick where I went for 15 years. Oh my gosh, you went to a school where there's a school shooting. Now I'm damn near average. Come on. It's ha- we're talking it we have to talk about it more because it keeps happening. And I'm sorry if you feel threatened by that,
0: but I don't know the solution otherwise besides to talk about it. We have to talk about everything. The lesson of this week for me has been we have to talk about everything. And you and I have been saying that for a long time and doing it for a long time. The universe brought a bunch of just really interesting people into my life this week. All women. All women who are doing really important work in the community. And so I learned a lot from every one of them. And it just makes me realize that we so isolate ourselves from problems that don't get any better because we isolate ourselves from them. If everyone in my community heard some of what I heard about the experience of being Black in this community, I think it would be a real wake-up call. If everyone in this community heard some of what I heard about the prevalence of domestic violence in this community, it would be a real wake-up call. If everyone understood what my friend and our listener Kim is going through as she keeps the emergency shelter here locally open 24 hours a day during these cold temperatures, trying to find some additional place to put another blanket on the floor because the people coming there honestly have nowhere else to go, I think it would be a real wake-up call. It is so easy not to talk about all this. It's so easy to put Jane on the bus and try not to think about what's happening in schools across the United States. But until we do that, we are going to recycle these problems over and over. Honestly, to go back to the post, the reason that I think so much of what's in that movie is happening in our government again right now is because we aren't talking about it enough. We aren't talking enough. As, as much as we are saturated with headlines and media coverage and Donald Trump in your face at every corner, we really aren't talking about some of the things that most threaten our democracy. And it's a problem. And I think the only way that we get right about this issue is to talk about it. I hope that soon I can spend some time with some family members of mine who are firearms enthusiasts, who would be in a totally different place than I am on this issue. We should talk about this. And here's our challenge, because it's the mission here at Pansu Politics, right?
1: I know it's so hard. It's hard for me. But when you have those conversations... Start from a place of these people love their children as much as you do, even if the person you're talking to thinks that that means they should be able to carry an AR-15 wherever they go to protect their children. That does not invalidate their love for their children. And if you love your children, then you have to love their children, no matter how much you disagree on how to protect them. I think if we can get there with each other, even with Eric, the guy who posted that, I know that upset a lot of you guys.
0: But he loves his children, too. And we have to love those people. I love Eric. I don't have any fight with Eric. I appreciate that he was willing to have the discussion. And I think that's where it needs to be. Because we are all part of each other. We just are. And until that's honestly, this entire conversation is about valuing human life. That's the only thing that's at issue here. Do we love each other enough to stop killing each other?
1: All those changes that I talked about at the beginning of the show, nonviolence in the face of segregation, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, the gay rights movement. They're not perfect movements, but so much of that change was fueled by love, was fueled by love in the face of violence, love in the face of discrimination. And when we had our first, Moms Demand action meeting here in Western Kentucky. Like, I was just so touched by the relationship between the two women who came from Louisville. And they talked about, like, we love each other. We work together. We bonded. We have fun. Like, I know this is a heavy subject, but we have fun working on this together. And I just thought, like, all of us coming together in love and desperation, I guess, can really, it it can change things. Uh, Brene Brown, I've talked about this on The Nuance Life, I think, We were talking about, she has this great quote in Braving the Wilderness, which says, I think crying together with strangers can change the world. And I think that that, maybe we need more of that. Maybe we need more of us all coming together and crying and saying, okay, we've witnessed each other's pain and frustration. I love you now more. Let's do, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it?
0: To end on a note of love, I want to share something that I shared on my personal Facebook page. It's kind of unusual for me to write something so overtly political on my personal Facebook page, but... Strange times call for strange measures. I would like to thank teachers and school administrators. We now seem to expect you to prepare our children for lucrative careers immediately upon graduation. Provide them with all of the emotional guidance and support that we don't give them at home. Feed and clothe them. Motivate and inspire them. Purchase everything you need in your classrooms that we don't want to pay for. Keep them safe. And physically place yourselves between bullets and children when you cannot all while cutting your budgets, jeopardizing your retirement and health care, and complaining that you are overstaffed and wasteful. Thank you for continuing to do this work in spite of it all.
1: Thanks for joining us for another episode. Until next week, keep it nuanced, y'all. To support Pansu Politics, please visit patreon.com forward slash politics to become a monthly supporter of the show
0: or rate and review the podcast in the apple podcast player thank you to our executive producers nicholas chad tracy george and sabrina find us on twitter at Politic, facebook and instagram at pantsuitpolitics dante lima is the composer and performer of our theme music you can also hear his work and get more nuance by checking out our podcast on family relationships and values the nuanced life